Well, we're wrapping up our series that we've been in through the book of Galatians. And the book of Galatians is uh, presenting to us the gospel according to grace. Somebody say grace, grace. The gospel according to grace. And that's really, really important because the gospel, my friends, is powerful. The gospel is what anchors us. It's the gospel that, through which God works in this world. And because of that, don't, wouldn't you know that it's the gospel that the enemy then therefore attacks? The gospel is that that the enemy wants to twist. The gospel is that, that which the enemy wants to distort. Because it's the gospel on which all of, of, of the kingdom of heaven hangs. That the gospel is faithfully portrayed and faithfully preached. And so the enemy comes after the gospel. And that was the case in Paul's day. Paul went through the area of Galatia and he preached the gospel which was Jesus and Jesus alone, the work that Jesus had accomplished. And these Judaizers came in behind Paul, and they said, well, it's, it's all about Jesus and some of the old Jewish traditions, and you need to add those things to it. And they started to add to, to the gospel. They were adding the adherence of the feasts and the festivals. They were adding the, the adherence of, of, of circumcision. And so Paul is writing just to, 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 to course correct Going, no, 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 everybody, don't, don't add to the gospel. You know, even today we still have that kind of sediment happening that Paul would come up against and defend. It, it's this, uh, I call it the old school religious gospel. It's a gospel that says, hey, it's all about Jesus, and you got to do these certain things in order to make God love you more, and you do these certain things in, in order to really make sure you're going to make it into heaven, and, and all these do's and don'ts, and, and the Bible really, they would look at, is a, is a, is a system of, of behavioral management, and here's how you need to behave if you're going to, right? And they would like to try to make the gospel feel, it's called legalism, right, living under this legalistic mentality. So Paul shows up and goes, no, it's not about legalism. It's not, it's not about you do and you don't. It's about Jesus who has done in Jesus' name, right? Amen? Like Jesus says that at the cross, he said, it is finished. What everything that is needed for man's salvation has been finished at the cross of Jesus Christ. There's nothing you can do to add to it. There's nothing you can do to take from it. And so we have, even today, this old school religious gospel that Paul says, nope, grace. And then you have, in response to this old school religious gospel, you kind of have this new school, uh, God accepts all and has no kind of boundaries on right and wrong. And it's just kind of a free for all in, in grace. And Paul shows up and goes, no, you don't understand grace. Because when you understand grace, you understand that grace actually sets you free from living in sin and, and pursuing the things of sin. It sets you free from, what is it, what, Scripture says that, that, that Jesus, you know the truth and the truth will set you what? Free. Free from what? You ever ask the question? Free from having to be subject to and slave to sin. And so we're a church that believes the Bible. What the Bible teaches is that there is sin. You see, God is the creator of heaven and earth. God is the creator of life. And God, therefore, knows how life works. He knows how marriage works. He knows how sexuality works. He knows, he knows how it works. Amen? And in his grace, he shares with us how it works. When we decide to color outside the lines of how things work, it's called sin. That sin separates us from God. 
And the gospel of grace doesn't ignore sin. The gospel of grace deals with sin by giving us forgiveness in Jesus. Amen? Come on, church. And so I'm forgiven. And I, I love grace and I hold on to grace and I, I live in grace. Why? Because I understand that, that living over here and, and giving my life to sin destroys me. And I don't want anything to do with that. So I'm going to walk with God and, and, and keep a life that, that's seeking to live in holiness. And Paul's been preaching grace. He's been preaching grace. He's been preaching grace. And so today, here's what I want to look at. Paul closes out the book of Galatians by giving you some life principles. How do I live a life that's living under grace? What does it look like to live a life that's living under grace? And I want to give you these principles to help you understand this. Because watch, it's not, if it's grace, some people think, well, then I just go do whatever I want, right? I just, there's no law, it's not rules, it's all grace, so I'm just going to go live however I want. Paul goes, now wait. You need to understand what a life of grace looks like. And we pick it up in Galatians chapter 6, starting in verse 7 through 10. Here it says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. I'm just going to do whatever I want. Paul says, okay, hold up. Before you go running out your door to do whatever it is you think you want to do, whatever it is you think is best, you need to understand a principle at work. It's a, it's a farming principle. It's a very simple principle that whatever a man sows, he will also reap. I mean, think about the farmer, right? The farmer goes out to, to plant some seed in his, in his, um, out in his field that he's plowed. And if he takes a fistful of orange seeds, he's going to get what kind of trees, everybody? Orange trees. Come on, Redlands, you should know this. You get what? Orange trees, right? Not apple trees. They were orange seeds. We're going to get orange trees. If you put some apple seeds in the ground, we're going to get some apples. Okay, now we're hanging out in Oak Glen. Come on, somebody, right? And, and the principle is very, very simple. Watch. Whatever you sow is what you're going to reap. If you don't like what you're reaping, you need to check what you're sowing, friends, because it's a principle in life. You're going to sow with every decision you make. You're going to sow with every word you make. You're going to sow with every action you take. And the question Paul says you need to be asking yourself is what are you sowing? Now, to simplify it for you, you don't get like 19 bags with 19 different seeds. You get two. And the only two seeds that you are going to use to sow is what Paul calls the seeds of the flesh or the seeds of the spirit. Principles for living, everybody. Here they are. You got to check what you're sowing. He who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. When you go to make the decision you're about to make, when you go to respond to that email that the boss sent you or respond to something that the neighbor said to you or you're, you know, at school and the teacher and you're going to, he says, you only get to throw into the ground of your life either seeds of the flesh or seeds of the spirit. You got two bags and you're going to pull from this one, seed of the spirit, or you're going to pull from this one. Seed of the flesh. I, I need you to understand the difference between the two. The spirit, right, sowing to the spirit 
is when you say yes to the work of the Spirit of God in your life. Those of you who are believers in here today, when you gave your life to Jesus, the Bible says in Corinthians that you were baptized by the Spirit of God into the body of Christ. You're baptized by the Spirit of God into the body of Christ. You're filled with the Spirit of God. And now the Spirit of God is working within you to push you toward the will of God, the heart of God. In Galatians chapter 5, you can go back and read it. He says, he says walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lusts of flesh. What does that mean? It literally means this. Stay in step with the Spirit of God in your life. You know, he's whispering to you in the decision you're trying to make. He's nudging you in, in your relationships. He's, he's calling you forward, and the Spirit of God is constantly at work in your life. And your job is to stay in step with the Spirit of God. It says, do not be drunk with wine, which is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit of God. What do we say when somebody is, you know, drunk with wine? We say they're under the influence, Right? They're under the influence. What's it mean? They've yielded to the influence of the wine. They've yielded to the influence of the alcohol in their life. And Scripture uses that same analogy and says, hey, listen, instead of being drunk with wine and yielding to the influence of alcohol, yield yourself constantly to the influence of the Spirit of God in your life. Constantly say yes to what it is he's, he's nudging within your heart and within your life. And so you have, in every decision you make, the ability now by the Spirit of God to say yes to the Spirit of God. This is me. You guys are wondering what I'm This is me saying yes to the Spirit of God in my life. This is, this is pulling from the, the seat of the Spirit going, yes, God. Yes, God, in the way I raise my kids. Yes, God, in the way I love on my wife. Yes, God, in the way I, be, I am I'm, I'm reflecting you at work. Yes, God, to the opportunities that you've given me. I'm just going to say yes, God, okay? And the opposite of that, or the other seed that we can sow with, is, is here, this is the, the flesh, okay? What's the flesh? A great definition of the flesh is you before God got a hold of you, you. Do you remember that you? You before the Spirit of God started nudging you, you. It's your old desires, your old appetites. It's the... It's the it's the desires within you that want to color outside the lines of gospel truth, that just want to do your own thing as opposed to what it is God would, would have for your life. And those are what he says is, is the seeds of, of the flesh. So you need to understand as a believer that you have these two options every time you go to make a decision. And I would say it's actually even more than options. It's these two desires that are battling within, within a believer, right? How many of you know what it is that's often, you often know what's right to do? Let me see your hand. Come on, you know what's right to do? How many of you often, you also know what's wrong to do? How many of you sometimes want to do what's wrong to do even though you know what's right to do? Come on, can I see your hand, right? See, what you're confessing to is the reality of every decision you make. Paul would say it in the book of Romans. He says, the things I want to do, I don't do, and the things I don't want to do that I end up doing. Why? Because he's got this battle inside of him. It's flesh against spirit. It's spirit against flesh. When you give your life to Jesus, the flesh man doesn't just disappear. He's there alongside every decision you make. Some people have likened it to two dogs at, at war inside, inside of you. And I believe it was C.S. Lewis who said that the one that wins is the one you feed. It's the one that you continue to feed and say yes to. And so here's the principle for life. Ready? Every decision you make, you need to decide. Am I going to say yes to what the Spirit of God would have 
in this decision? Or am I going to do what I think is best in this decision or what I want or what my old man would, would want to do in this decision? Well, Paul says, if you say yes to, depending on what you say yes to, will, will depend on what kind of crop you get. That's brilliant. I don't care what you say. Because people right now, you and I, you look at the landscape of your life. Well, I don't like how it's turned out, and I don't like this, and it shouldn't be like that. Can I tell you where the landscape of your life ends up being produced from, from the seed that you're throwing into the landscape of your life? If you want to see something different, you've got to sow something different. And so here's what he says. If you of the Spirit sow of the Spirit, it will produce life, Right? But if you of the flesh, so do the things of the flesh, or of the things of the flesh, it's going to reap corruption. And these are always the two options that are in front of you. The Spirit bringing life into the marriage. The Spirit bringing life into your parenting. The Spirit bringing life into your place of work. The Spirit bringing life to the, to the soil around your life. Or your flesh, which is always going to bring forth death. If you choose to live out the works of the flesh, you've got to understand that that decision is going to have consequence. If you say to yourself, well, it's all of grace and I could just do whatever I want because the gospel is all about grace. Paul says to you, hey, before you run around thinking that you could just do whatever you want, your decisions are going to have consequences. Even to the believer, sowing of your flesh will always produce decay, destruction, death every time. Listen, y'all know this just from living life. If I choose, when I show up at home, and I've had a frustrating day at work, and I show up at home, and, and I decide to take out my frustration, this doesn't happen in my home, but maybe at your home, on my wife, and I, let some, I say something stupid, and I decide in that moment to not say yes to what the Spirit of God would have me say within my home and I let a little Chris Norman slide out, it's going to have an impact on my evening, everybody, right? It may equal me sleeping on the couch. It may, which has only happened one time in my marriage, by the way, and I did that to make Tatum feel sad. I thought maybe she'd come down in the middle of the night and say, baby, you should come back to bed, but she let me stay there all night, everybody. She just... I went up there, and she was sleeping. She just didn't even care. Okay, so just so you know, that's how she handled it. That's the last time I slept on that couch, I tell you that much. But think about it. You get the point. It will produce. If I, the moment I let my anger out at, at, at work or at, at home, if I sow to the flesh and I lash out at somebody, there's going to be consequences. I mean, I'm going to have to deal with it. Whenever you yield to that temptation, that tendency of the flesh, the outcome's always going to be the same. You can't be surprised by that. I can't believe my, it looks like this in my home. Well, what have you been sowing in the home? You're not going to get something different than what you're sowing. You're all right, everybody. You with me? What does James say? Look at what James, he speaks into this. James, it says this. Each person is tempted when he is lured away by his own desires. There's your flesh, your own, your old desires, and enticed. Then when desire uh, has conceived, it gives birth to what? Sin. 
You've colored outside the lines of what God has for your life. You've colored outside the lines of what the Spirit of God wants for your life. It gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, it brings forth what? Death. So, that's true, and that will always be the outcome, no matter what. Here's where sin is going to get its power. Here's where the flesh is going to get its power. You ready? It's going to try to lie to you and tell you that it's going to produce something other than death. But you need to know up front, it will never produce anything other than death. Sin gets its power, or the lust of the flesh gets its power by convincing you that it is better for you than what God has for you. So it will tell you, well, actually, if you lie just a little bit, it'll help the situation. If you cheat this thing at work just a little bit, it'll help the situation. If you kind of color outside the lines of what this is, what, uh, you know, faithfulness in marriage is supposed to look like, it's going to be really good for you. And you see, it always tries to lie to you. It'll promise you fulfillment, but it will leave you more empty than you could ever imagine. See, the flesh will always try to lie to you. But what I want you to understand, walking out of this moment, right here, right now, you have two options. Only the spirit will bring life. The flesh every time, sin every time, will bring forth death and destruction. So wherever you find yourself cutting outside the, you know, line, coloring outside the lines, I'm telling you, it's going to come back and produce something in your life that might surprise you. And so... Be careful with what you sow. Well, what does it look like when you have created for your life a landscape that has just continued to give in to the things of the flesh? And you want to make changes, and you want to start going in the right direction. Let me help you with that really quick, because I know that there's some of us in here today that look around going, well, I've... I've made a mess, I've said things, I've done things, I continue to say things, I continue to do things that, that are not sowing from the, from the Spirit of God in my life, but I've continued to sow from the flesh. Well, friends, listen, here's what the, how the gospel and why the gospel is so beautiful, is it meets us in the middle of the, the mess we've made and all the thorns and thistles we've sowed in our life, and he says, listen, I w we could actually change the way this looks. We can move forward from here. The first thing you do is you confess it, okay? I've messed up. I've done dumb things. Let me give you the words. Ready? I've done dumb things. It's that simple. God, I confess it. Second this, listen, repent, which means turn. I'm not, I am no longer, I've been sowing that in my marriage for X amount of time and with my kids for X amount of time and at work for X, but no longer from this day forward, I'm not going to sow of my flesh when I get into that and I get into that soil. It means repent, Right? Third, listen, get yourself around a community of people that can hold you accountable, okay? You guys writing that down. This is really important. So you need some people in your life that when you go to make a decision, they can see you going into that old, that old bag, that old, you know, seed. And like, ah, let go of that seed. Hey, hey, don't do it. Don't do it. You're like, but I really want to. And they're like, nope. Come on. We're here to hold you accountable. Say no to that old and start saying yes to the new. You get yourself around some people. Well, I just don't know what it looks like to say yes to the Spirit of God. What, is it, what does it really mean to say yes to the Spirit of God at, in, in my home or at work, in my school place, in the decision? What does it really mean? And I love what Paul does. Did you see it? 
He boils all this complexity of what it looks like to, to say yes to the Spirit of God. And he boils all the complexity down into, listen, into a very simple statement. And it's this. You ready? Write this down. It's do good. What does it look like to say yes to the Spirit of God in your life? It's you doing good. Go back. Not here yet. Go back up to the verse. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever man sows, he also reap. He reaps of the flesh. Will of the flesh reap corruption. But he sows of the Spirit. Will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing what? Good. While doing what? Good. What is the Spirit of God? What does it look like to say yes to the Spirit of God in your life? Ready? Let's do good. You know, it's so interesting. For a believer, the, the number one desire of your life should be to live in God's will. Amen? Christians in here, right? Like you want God's will more than anything. Do you know what one of the number one most confusing things for Christians is? God, what's your will for my life? God, I don't know what your will for my life. And we make it so complex. Scripture just takes this big, the big complexity of God's will in your life and goes, ready, here it is. Ready, everybody, lean in, lean in. What's God's will? Here it is. I'm going to share it with you. Just do good. Like what? Yeah, just do good. Like when you show up at home, what should you do? Good. School? Good. Just, be, just do good. Hey, you're in the workplace? What? Just do good. Don't make this so complex and so calculated. I don't know, and God, where are you? God is in the good, you see. And he calls you to the good. So sowing from the spirit in your life looks like just show up and, man, you're throwing good seed everywhere. I might not feel like it today, but here's what you're going to get from me. Good. Listen to what it says in James. Each one is uh, the other part of James. James 4.17. Therefore, to him who knows to do what? Good. And does not do it to him who has sinned. Because you know what it looks like to, to, to walk in the spirit? Just, if you know to do good, do that with the people God's put in your life. I want you to ask yourself this simple question. What is the best thing? What is the good thing I do, can do for my kids? What is the good thing I could do for people at work today? What is the good thing I can do for, for the people in the, in the classroom today? What is the good I can do in the middle of all of the division and frustration in our society right now? What is the good that is God is calling me to do? Hey, I'm going to start there. And when you do, watch, you're getting your hand out of that old bag of flesh, and you're putting your hand now into the Spirit and saying yes to the things of the Spirit. I'm just going to keep on doing good. It's that simple. If I was to simplify it. Some of you are in here going, okay, Chris, well, I've, I've tried that. And I haven't seen what it is I thought I would see. I've, I've tried good. And yet some of my ground doesn't look like the harvest that I thought I would see. I've been pouring into this marriage for a long time. And it doesn't look like what I what I was hoping it would look like. Or into these kids. Or into this ministry. And into this this path for my life that I believe God has, has called me to, and yet it doesn't look like what I think it should look like. And to you, here's the principle of life that you need to understand. It's not just do good. It's, watch, never back down. Let me give you this last one. Listen. Scripture says, go back to the verse in Galatians 6. Next one. Let us not grow weary while doing good. Here's what's going to happen. You're going to start doing good. 
And the temptation is going to come to what? Grow weary. And scripture says, do not grow weary in doing good, for in due season you will reap a harvest if you do not lose heart. He says, you want to see that ground actually produce a different, uh, a different crop? You want to see your life produce a different crop? It's not just you one day deciding to go out and for one day deciding to do what is good and to do what is right. It's you not getting weary. Listen, when you're doing good, one of the biggest temptations is going to be grow weary. Grow weary in what God's called you to do within the marriage or what God's called you to do in the neighborhood, what God's called you to do with the, the anointing that's on your life and with the gifting that's on your life. And there's just going to be this enemy coming alongside you saying, come on, aren't you getting tired? Isn't it time that you maybe give up? Isn't it time that you maybe throw in the towel? That dream that God's put on your heart, the enemy will sit and whisper to you trying to get you to grow weary. And so, friends, it's not just continue to do good. It's never back down. The temptation, grow weary. Notice it's, he says, if you don't, he says you're going to reap a harvest if, not just simply that you don't quit, but that you don't grow weary. It's different. This isn't just about you, don't, don't, don't quit. It's about you, no, I'm going to continue with the same fervency I had in the day when I started. I'm going to continue praying for my kids with the same fervency I had when, when, when I first started. I'm going to keep investing in my kids with the same fervency I had when I started. I'm going to keep pouring into this ministry with the same fervency I had when, when it all got started. I'm going to keep, do you see, you guys, I'm going to keep on keeping on with fervency. And what's happening right now in our nation and what's happening right now in the church, it's not the temptation to quit. The church isn't going to quit. It's, I think, sometimes the church says, well, I've just, we're just getting weary. We're just, keep, we're just tired. Like, we just got to, we got to. And I think God looks at the church and says, listen to me, church. Don't grow weary. Don't grow weary. But, God, I'm still going. I'm keeping at it, God. I'm, 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 I'm still, I'm still holding on, Lord. We're still, God's like, I, it's not about you just holding on. It's about you living with that same fervency you had at first. And church, the, what I believe the Spirit of God would have us do is, is to stir up the fervency within us and remind ourselves why we're doing what it is God has called us to do, that there are, there are lives at stake, there's destinies at stake, there's families at stake, there's schools at stake, you guys, there's a city at stake, and the church is not right now in this moment going to allow itself to grow weary or fall to the temptation to grow weary. Why? Because our state needs us. Our kids need us, right? There's, our neighbors need us to not just hold on, but to keep on with the same fervency that we had at the first. And here's what Scripture says in Romans chapter 12, verse 11. Don't be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. So I'm not just doing this. I'm doing this with all I got. I'm giving it everything I have. Why? Because, friends, there's no other way to live than giving it all I've got with everything I've got. Jesus gave his all for me, and so I am going to give my all for him. I'm all in. So get it, you guys. I get it. 
You've done good, and you look and you're like, well, it's not what, oh, I'm starving. It's not what it should be, and it's not what I thought it would be. So Scripture says, don't just do good. You keep on doing good with the same fervency that you had at first. It's like the farmer, and he makes the promise. The promise to the farmer is this, watch, is that as he's sowing the seed, day after day, season after season, there will come a moment where rain shows up. The the farmer can't produce rain. The farmer can't force rain. The the farmer is 100% relying on God to bring the rain. You got it? Amen? Like the farmer can't control that. He can't control what God's going to do, but he can control what it is he's doing. And watch this. The success of the farmer, the fruitfulness of the farmer, the harvest of the farmer is directly correlated to the faithfulness of the farmer. If the farmer just went out one day and cast enough seed for one day, when the rain comes and that harvest grows, he will only see the harvest in comparison with one day of seed. But if he goes out every day and he says, I'm going to give today as much energy and throw as much seed today as I did yesterday, even when I don't see things moving in the ground and I don't see any kind of, any kind of you know, you know, sprouts on the horizon, I'm just going to keep throwing seed. If he keeps throwing seed every single day when the rain comes, and friends, it will, and that rain germinates that seed, it will germinate more seed. Why? Because he threw more seed. The fruitfulness of the farmer is directly related to the faithfulness of the farmer. And I'm trying to tell you right now, listen to me, Scripture's making you a promise. Scripture says this, you will reap a harvest if you do not grow weary. In other words, God is saying, I am going to be faithful to bring the rain. Why? Because I'm not just faithful to farmers, I'm faithful to my kids. I'm faithful to bring the rain. And if you keep throwing the seed into what God's called you to do in the marriage, doing good in the things God's called you to do in the ministry, doing good in the things God's called you to do on the campus, doing good in the things that God's called you to do at work, as you keep throwing the seed, you keep hucking seed, God says, I will bring the rain. And that rain will germinate that seed, and you will see a harvest if you do not lose heart. And so I'm trying to tell some of you in here today who are about ready to throw in the towel that you don't throw in the towel. You keep hucking seed. I'm trying to tell some of you that have gotten tired in the marriage, you've gotten tired in the kids, and you're watching things go in directions that you weren't hoping they would go and not the way that you thought it would go, that you stay faithful to saying yes to the Spirit of God in your life. You keep throwing that seed, and God says, I will bring a harvest. Church, you rise up and you lean in. Can I get a better amen? I feel like I'm preaching better than you responded. Where is it the enemy is tempting you to throw in the towel? That could be the very spot where he finds himself afraid of the harvest. Because friends, the the place that you've been throwing that seed is the place that the activity of God is going to meet with that seed. You do your part, and God shows up and does his part. 
You're faithful to what you can do, and God will show up and do all that you can never do. But remember, the faithfulness of the farmer, the fruitfulness of the farmer, is directly tied to the faithfulness of the farmer. I'm going to keep saying yes. Principles of life, friends. Do good and just don't quit. Don't give up. Walking in grace every day, friends, this gospel of grace, means that I can get up and because of God's grace, keep hucking seed. Keep doing what he's called me to do and not lose the fervency in it. Can I get a better amen, church? Amen? You know, I, I, again, I think about everything that God's done at our church, at Citizens. And when I look forward into the future, I know that we're going to see an incredible harvest. Because God's brought around this place some faithful people. They're people who are willing to, to roll up their sleeves and keep doing good and keep, keep leaning in. And I know we're doing our part. And I know that God will show up and do his part. Listen, our, our schools need it. Our city needs it. And it's not time for us to grow weary. It's time for us to turn it up all the more and, and believe him for, for even more. In Jesus' name.